Well, what I found is uh, it, uh, it just in diving into these subjects and these topics, I just keep going back to the beginning. We can't get away from design. Design is everything. And so as I've just studied and as I've looked and read all the things and the articles and the books and looked in the scripture, uh, I just keep going back to the beginning. So that's why we're going to start in Genesis chapter two, because we're going to go back to design here in a moment. And, and, and so uh, the Lord has created everything. Uh, he's given us uh, all over the, over the seven days, he's created uh, all of creation and the birds and the sea and all of the things. And then he comes and he makes man and woman and uh, in his image. And that's the point at which we get to come as we get to see them step into his calling. So we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. The man gave Names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is... This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, Initially, if you step back for a moment, you have to ask the question, so God created things and he made man and then he goes, but he didn't find a helper suitable for Adam. So is God going like, what's happening here? Is God coming to this thing like, oh, I think I missed something. I'm not sure what it is. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh, I got to figure that. No, God is not confused not stepping back from his own creation, trying to figure out what's gone wrong. What is God doing here? What God is doing is what God will do, is doing now, and what he will do for all time. He is unfolding and unveiling the glory and the beauty and the majesty of his plan. That is what heaven is. Will be. Heaven is going to be in his presence and the unveiling of his plan and what God is doing here as he's grabbing Adam and he's giving him an opportunity to discover there's something more. God has something else that he wants to do. That's just what life is meant to be like, an unfolding or an unveiling of his plan. He's getting this design. And so he's you now here in the garden. God is setting Adam up to see the glory and the beauty of God's plan. He's unfolding it and he's about to light Adam up. All right, going to turn his world upside down. And in this plan, God creates this unbelievable, unifying connection. One man and one woman coming together to experience fullness. 
In this plan, he creates this unique, glorious, intentional way for two people who are distinct and different, yet made in God's image to be able to come and for their hearts and their minds and their bodies to be intermingled with one another in a unique way. It is clear from the beginning that God has designed this physical union called sex. And he's gonna say, one flesh And it is good. How do we know it's good? Because they are naked and unashamed, wide open to each other, and no shame, no guilt, no condemnation, but beauty and majesty and glory. God is for sex because he designed it. He made it. It's not a result of some random biological processes over time, what we're finding is God has made this thing on purpose for our good and for his glory, period. He's the designer. He made it. He crafted it. It's intentional from his heart. And he's made us to, yes, very physiologically to be able to come together as one, but it's so much more. That's what's so powerful. What he's saying is it's so much more than a physical act. That sex was designed to meld us together, to connect our souls in a way that nothing else will. It's two people becoming one. I think there are times... Uh, in the church where there's been some weird attitude towards this thing, that it's maybe this necessary evil as if God, you know, went away, created the earth seven days, man and female, so seventh day he's resting and he comes back and he finds Adam and Eve and he's like, whoa, what are you guys doing, right? That's not, okay, that's not what happened. You guys are gonna have to loosen up here, all right? That's not what happened, God has made this thing on purpose. It has perfect, beautiful, rich intention. God created sex. He he designed it. He's pro. And even as I say that, there's some that are like, oh man, seems like a really good plan. And then there are some of you that are going, why? I mean, Let's be honest that this issue can be incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging, incredibly broken. The reality is it doesn't take long to live in this life for our lives to be touched by sexual brokenness. There isn't anyone in here likely in this room that hasn't been touched in some way by brokenness from this issue. And so if this area can be such a tinderbox, if it can be so explosive and divisive and create harm, some of you maybe have even gone through experiences of abuse where you look at this issue and you're going, this this feels like there's robbery here. And so we look at it and you go, I don't, I don't know why. It, it feels like if we could have just done the stork thing that we could have just been good. Like God, that had been made it really easy. 
But God's saying, hey, I have design behind this. And yes, there is brokenness to it. And what we're going to see is, yeah, I'm going to define for you the beautiful parameters by which I've created this thing. And if you have found yourself outside of it, which every one of us have in some way, pastor included, then you can begin to find wholeness and fullness and purity and life and joy in it again. And that is the promise. Sex is created to do something that nothing else can quite do. In God's design, sex is actually holy. It's holy. We don't often put those two words together, but it is without question. What do you mean by holy? Well, what does it mean to be holy? God is holy. We often look at things that are even the issue of holiness and we think of some kind of ethereal purity that exists out there somewhere when actually when it says God is holy, what it means is God is set apart and unique. And God has designed this issue of one man and one woman coming together in covenant unity is to experience being set apart. No one else. God designed sex to have and to experience oneness. No one else, uniquely for each other. There's nothing like it. And even though there's so much confusion and hurt and misunderstanding in the world, God has created this for his people to experience something powerful and unique. No one else allowed. And that's why the scripture says, a man is going to leave his parents and a woman is going to leave her parents and the two are going to become one. Two people, oneness, set apart for each other. Delight in being given to another, delight in each other, delight in creating life together. I love how Tim Keller said it uh, in his book, Meaning of Marriage. He says, sex is a way to give yourself totally to somebody else and to say, I belong completely and totally and exclusively to you. That's the hope. That's the design. That's the aim. That's the point. This oneness that doesn't exist outside of it. It's set apart. It's beautiful. It's holy and it's meant to drive our heart to this God who, by the way, exists in this unique union, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and yet one. You don't know why the design exists this way. God's going, because this is who I am. Two but one. And no one else, nothing else can come in and steal that. And that's why there's no shame here in Genesis 2. It's a mingling of souls and bodies that brings life and delight and oneness to our design. And again, even the church has wrestled with this issue in many ways, had a lot of roadblocks around God's design for sex. And ages gone by, there's been an attitude that sex is kind of this necessary evil to keep you from the lust of your flesh 
and that yes, uh, sex is the necessary evil to be able to procreate and bring forth children, and or sex is this place of purity, which it is, but you better not mess up because if you do, you only get to do the virginity thing one time, and if you miss out on that, then you're damaged goods. And there's some really broken thinking when God's saying, I've got this design to give to you in beauty and glory. And it is not a necessary means to somehow skirt around evil. And nor is it the place for you to feel condemnation and shame. It's the place for me to bring about the uniqueness of oneness, one man and one woman together. Oneness is God's design to be set apart and me only for you, you only for me, glorious, free, hopeful, and holy. And so the question then is, well, why doesn't it feel that way at times? In the culture that we live in, in the world that we're around, as what I'm describing to you could feel maybe like a little bit old school or backwoods because that's not the attitude of the world around, is it? Why doesn't it feel this way? Well, we'll go back to the same answer I've given over the last three weeks. Why is this beautiful design broken? Sin. Sin wants to come in and take this incredible design and distort and to bring harm and to turn and to twist. It's not an accident that the very first time we get to see the enemy enter into the equation and he ends up coming to have a conversation with Adam and Eve and he looks at them and says, did God really say you couldn't have the fruit from this tree? Is that what he really said? Are you sure about that? Surely that's not God's design. I mean, that can't be. You can have all this fruit out here. Why not this one? And it's the beginning of undermining the plan and the purpose of God. And that's where the enemy has lived out. Because you can be like, come on, pastor, it's 2023. I mean, get, get with it. I think sex is just sex. It's no big deal. Everybody does it. Every movie, TV show, social media account, follow. It's all happening all the time. Can't imagine being tied to one person for all time, limiting it to one male, one female. How foolish to give away a life of illicit pleasure to go into your somehow backwoods religious ho-hum world. Isn't that the message? Isn't that the thought? Isn't that the voice? It's just sex. It's actually not a 2023 idea. That, that same idea was living right in Jesus' day. All of humanity's been dealing with that, that Satan and sin have been seeking to bring pain and harm and confusion to this issue from the get-go. Paul and to the Corinthian church, this Apostle Paul, he's actually trying to care for them and shepherd them, and he's addressing Corinth. Corinth is this incredibly modern, cosmopolitan uh, Greek city. had been taken into the Roman Empire, and as the church is being planted there, and the gospel is having its powerful move in their lives, and God's changing and transforming hearts, and they're wrestling with this world in which they live in that is very contrary to this design and plan. 
that God is outlining here in Genesis chapter two. And Paul, he quotes a very, very popular saying that day, it would fit really, really well in 2023. 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse 12 says, all things are lawful for me, meaning this saying in Greek philosophy is, I can do anything. If you know anything about Greek philosophy, what they believed is this dualism, that there was a body and there was a spirit, and they didn't have any intermingling. So you could do whatever you wanted to with the body because it didn't touch the spirit in any way, shape, or form. I can just do whatever I want to do. It's not really going to affect me. Or you can say that it isn't that great, but my experience is it's kind of great. All things are lawful for me, and he says, but not all things are helpful well, all things are lawful for me, meaning I can do whatever I want to do. It's just a body, but, it, but I will not be dominated by anything. Verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. He's, again, spouting off these ideologies that are living for that day. We can kind of do whatever we want to. And God, he's saying, God will destroy both one and the other. I mean, this, what we've got here is temporal, but it's important the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What he's saying is God cares deeply about what you do with your body. He cares deeply about your life. There's not a part. He's not looking at your spirit and going, ah, soul and body, we'll get there, but spirit. No, he's looking at the whole framework and saying, everything about you matters. Why? Because you've been made in the image of God. This body that you've been given, it matters what you do with it. This spirit that you've been given, it matters. Your soul, your heart matters. And so he gives a, clear conviction to be thoughtful about this. 1 Corinthians 6, 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So these are the, men, these are the followers of Jesus, but they're living in this day that says everything that Jesus was saying is backwards. You say, no, your body is a member of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute. They were visiting temple prostitutes all the time. Temple prostitution was a normal thing in their day. We think that uh, our, our society has gone so crazy and awry. I can guarantee you we haven't approached first century Rome yet. He's bringing instruction and heart and conviction. The heart of the father to this moment. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Why? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. I can imagine the people of the day saying, yeah, Paul, wasn't that written like 6,000 years ago? It's kind of old school, man. And the God of the universe is saying, I have a design for you, will you trust my heart on this issue? Some of these new followers of Jesus are wrestling through this truth. Isn't it? It's just a physical body, right? But that's not how God made us. What he says clearly from scripture is, I've created this thing to give you delight and joy and oneness. 
And it's intimate. It involves your body, your soul, and your spirit. Every part of you that's important. First Thessalonians chapter five. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Meaning get the whole part of you. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Married, not married. Single, decades into marriage, your body, soul, and spirit matter to God. And he has this gift for us to experience oneness. And the Bible is clear that we are triune beings and we aren't getting away from it, which means this, it's not just sex. It means something to God. He cares deeply about your soul and your spirit and your body. And maybe more, more than any other physical activity, sexual activity, touches deeply those places. And the world can try to pretend like it doesn't. But I think we can, everyone attest to the way sexual brokenness has touched each of us. And we know deep down there's a beautiful design and outside of it lies pain. There is intent and purpose. And therefore, there are boundaries if there's intent and design and purpose, then God's gonna just create boundaries. And you know what? Most of us don't actually have a problem with boundaries, especially when we think through it, all right? Well, one of our favorite things to do as a family, every 4th of July, we love to go watch a fireworks show. It's six years we've been here, we go out to Harlansdale. It's amazing. Anybody go to downtown Nashville? Has anybody been to that fireworks show? Supposedly, it's amazing. No, you're all sane. You hate the traffic, so no, none of us go there, right? Okay, that's fine. Love the fireworks show. And I know what you're thinking. Are you about to equate fireworks and sex? Really, pastor? Is that where you're going? Yes, is the answer to that. <laughs> you take those fireworks, you shoot them off in the air. It's unbelievable. You take those exact same fireworks and you shoot them off inside of your car and you have chaos. It doesn't work. It's destructive. You guys are students in here. You, get an, you work your tail off. You get an A on your math exam and your friend does not work their tail off and they get an F on their exam and the teacher comes to you and says, I want you guys just switch grades. You okay with that? No, you have boundaries. Everybody's okay with boundaries. The question is, is where are we okay with God bringing boundaries over our lives? And do we trust him? And that's where we find ourselves. Healthy boundaries make things safe and beautiful. So we get to go to the word. And when the word of God says this, all right, everything outside of this union, one man, one woman, and covenant oneness, then what do you do when you see sexuality knocking at the door and looking to come after you? And the spirit of God says plainly one word, Flee sexual immorality. Flee. Run. Don't have anything to do with it. Run. Stand up. Walk out. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. What does he mean by that? 
What he means by that is this. When I was, I remember when we were in youth group, I'm just being really gut level honest with you. The question we always had is, hey, how far is too far? How close can we get? Can we do first base? Can we do second base? Can we do third base? Can we stay outside the close? What can we do? What's okay? How far can we get without kind of transgressing the rule? And the heart of the father is saying, son, daughter, run. You don't run up to the line to try to find out how far is too far. What you do is you hear my heart and you come with me where all fulfillment actually is. God says flee because he's saying there's one design I've got for you. One man, one woman in a covenant forever with each other. It isn't meant for another man's wife. It isn't meant for another woman's husband. It isn't meant for another woman or another man that you can watch on a screen. It isn't meant for another man that's going after a, a woman that you've not entered into a covenant with. That place where you get to say, you are my only one and I am your only one. There will be people that feel like that's incredibly old and backwoods and yet it's actually the very design that this thing was created for. There are people that'll go, well, you know what? Jesus didn't really talk about it all that much. In fact, he didn't really say anything about it, which is false, so incredibly false. Number one, because there is nothing in all of the scripture that is not from the heart of Jesus. Understand that. God wrote the scripture. If you're not, listen, if you're not here on board, what I'm saying to you, if you don't believe in the faithfulness of the word of God over our lives and everything I'm saying to you will feel really empty. But if your heart believes and trusts that God has preserved his word faithfully for us, then hear this, God's written all of it. Wrote every ounce of it. Jesus is all throughout it. And there's nothing in the Old Testament that isn't from the heart of Jesus. And there's nothing from the epistles or the writings of the apostles or Paul that isn't straight from the heart of Jesus. And the truth is, is his own words. And I mentioned this scripture a couple of weeks ago, but Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness and slander. And these are the things that tear you up inside. Jesus was really clear about God's design. He wasn't obtuse to it. I'm gonna say, what does he mean when he says what, sexual immorality? What, what does he mean? And what he's simply saying, the word porneia, where we get our word pornography from, is saying is sexual activity. What is sexual immorality? It's sexual activity that's happening outside of God's design for one man and one woman together in covenant oneness. That's the design. That's the aim, bringing oneness. And the culture is gonna continue to ask you to abandon what feels like an old religious idea, to walk away from or to turn your heart away from God's design. And you and I get to decide, will we trust God and turn and flee or will we go headlong into the way of the 
world to be enticed. That's the description, actually, that we get from Romans chapter one from the very beginning. It says mankind was dealing with this call from God to walk with him, and they said, no, we wanna walk with the creation rather than the creator. We like ourselves much better. We like our own way much better. That's where mankind found himself. We've all experienced it before. In fact, you and I on a regular basis will feel this pull inside of us trying to get us to go our own way. We've all experienced that. And the Lord says in Romans chapter one, verse 24, therefore God gave them up. They kept pressing again. They said, we don't want you, we want us. We don't want you, we want us. And God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature, meaning themselves, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You go, why would God give him up that way? You know, some of the most painful things, I think one of the most spine-chilling things that can happen is when you and I turn from the Lord and the Lord says, okay. Okay. You can have it. Why would he ever do that? Well, actually revealed in Scripture. So we'll discover how broken the world is and we will come and experience the fullness he has to offer. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Clearest passage here. Certainly we get a picture of this design, one man, one woman, and where it's being transgressed. He's calling those that are walking in the homosexual community to say, this is not my design for you. But before, by the way, he says that in verse 26, he goes, All, you can go back to 24. It's all of us. Sometimes the Christian community will try to pick on or press in against the issue of homosexuality and it will not deal with its own brokenness because we'll hide in porn addiction and we can spew against the homosexual world and yet we're broken in and of ourselves. Or we'll allow lust to rise up in our hearts and not be willing to address the broken thing inside of us, but we'll point the finger outside and the cultural seek to constantly unite you to sex before marriage and sex outside of marriage and homosexuality and pornography and affairs and all of the things. And we're given a very clear one-word instruction about how to address sexual immorality. And he says, flee, run. Don't get as close to the line as you can. Get as far away as possible. It's not God who's trying to be some prude to take away your joy or what's fun. Let me tell you, I can promise you this. God has the most fun for you in his design. He's a good father. He wants what's best. First Thessalonians chapter four says, this is the plan. This is the heart. This is the will. This is the design 
of the Father, of God, your sanctification, you being changed and transformed, that you'd abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you would know how to control his or her, his own body in holiness and in honor. The culture will say, walk out and against your design. And the Father is actually just inviting us back into design. And whatever area of brokenness you've experienced in this, there is fullness of life. And the problem is this, we'll just keep finding, we'll keep looking for ways to be fulfilled. We'll just keep looking for ways and you'll never be satisfied until we come before the Lord. And so he gives us his heart. And the heart of the Father is this. If you found yourself broken, which by the way is all of us. I remember when I was uh, eight years old And my neighbor said, hey, come on over to the house. I want to show you something. So I remember I was seven or eight years old. So I like, okay, we ran over to the house. And he came to the front door. And he opened up a magazine. And for the first time in my entire life, I saw a pornographic image. I could see it to this day. I didn't ask for that. wasn't looking for it. But it was the beginning of being a young man who was going to have to journey and fight and scrap and trust this plan. And see God do work. I thank God that the internet didn't exist back then. Sexual brokenness actually hits everybody in some way, shape, or form. If Jesus is willing to say, you've heard it said shouldn't commit adultery, but I want to tell you this. If you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. What was he saying? Was he trying to make it impossible to live? No, what he was saying is you were made for so much more. You were made for so much more. You can keep giving your heart to the things that are broken, but I have fullness for you. You can be single and have fullness. Hear this. You don't have to be married to be full. God has beauty for you in your singleness. Singleness is actually a gift, by the way. It talks about it all throughout Scripture. If you're single and not married, you aren't empty. You're not without. Singleness is a gift. You get to walk in it fully and faithfully. Hear the heart of the Father. Walk with Him so that when it's time for you, if God gives you that moment and that time or that person to be with, He has fullness to give to you. One man and one woman in covenant oneness to be able to experience his heart. And if you're married and you're going, it's broken, sex is broken, and we're experiencing brokenness in this way, in this way, in this way. In fact, we'll talk about a few of the ways that we can respond even in marriage next week. If you're finding it broken, guess what? You just get to come back to the heart of the Father and say, Lord, there's something broken. Would you help give us fullness? Would you reveal and release that? We've all experienced it in some way, shape, or form. And that's what Paul says to the Corinthian church in verse 11. As such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord. 
You were broken in sexual immorality, but I healed you and I restored you and I brought life to you. And if you're in this room right now, you can experience holiness and purity again because Jesus Christ accomplished breaking sin on the cross so that you and I could live free today. No longer broken. You can stand right now and say, I'm not broken in sin any longer. The gospel says there is no sexual brokenness that can overcome the power of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You're whole, you're healed, you're full. You have purity, righteousness. That's who you are. The world say you ought to identify with your sexuality. God's saying your identity is you're a son or a daughter of the most high God. This is who you are. Walk in it. Step into the fullness of it. You guys stand with me. We just have a few minutes left and we get an opportunity just to have an authentic connection with the Lord. So if you would, just uh, for this last three or four minutes, would you just let everything else melt away? And would you do this? Would you just in authenticity and honesty share with the Lord any place of brokenness in your heart and your mind? I'm not gonna ask you to say it out loud. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. This is between you and the Lord. But say, God, I want to hand this over to you. Here's where I've been broken and I'm giving it over to you. I'm offering it. This is my act of worship. Here it is, Lord. You have it all. Would you give him the whole thing? Some of you have been hurt by this issue of sexuality. Maybe it's within your marriage. Maybe it's outside of your marriage. Maybe you're not even married yet. Maybe you've been hurt. Some of you have been taken advantage of, abused. And this issue breeds such hurt and pain in you. And you need to hear the Father drawing you today saying, come and have life with me. Be healed. Come and share your hurt and your pain. The Father receives you. Give him your brokenness, every one of us. Would you give him your brokenness? And then would you in turn now receive purity and righteousness Would you receive a restoration of your design? Father, I thank you that you're here as a restorer. Jesus, you came and took our brokenness into the grave and you restore purity and you restore holiness and you restore our future and you restore our days ahead and you declare our calling and your promises you will never leave us nor forsake us and your promises every morning when we wake up, we will experience your mercy fresh again. So pour out mercy and goodness, God. Pour out restoration and life and reveal and release your goodness here this morning. Would you receive it? 
Would you just receive the holiness of God now? Father, would you help us to wade into these things well, to love our neighbor well, to not stand in judgment, but to stand as ones who offer life with you everywhere we go. I pray that our church would be a church that carries your goodness everywhere we go and carries your forgiveness everywhere we go and carries your truth everywhere we go. And you would reveal your goodness through us. We love you, God, and we thank you for this moment. Would you keep just ministering and keep sharing and keep stirring and keep moving our heart? And as we finish out here in just a moment, we'll have a couple of prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you about anything going on in your world. If there's any way we can be a blessing to you, pray over you. Whether it's related to this issue this morning or something completely different, we want to be a praying church. I'm going to pray a benediction or a closing prayer as we go that you and I would receive it and walk in the fullness of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.